Okay, so welcome to the first episode of the FPL Roundup. It's FPL Governor speaking now, and joining me in the studio is FPL Tim. Welcome, Tim. Thank you for having me. <laughs> right, so let's just uh, let's just talk about our teams and uh, and our sort of fantasy history, how we ended up ended up in the game. Um, I've been doing it a lot longer than than you, Tim. I started in two thousand and nine, so that was ten seasons now already. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only last season where I really sort of. Um, uh, had a good rank though, just inside the top 30,000. But Tim is the real fantasy gem. He's been only only doing it for four seasons. But yeah, tell us about your rank history, Tim. Well, I'll just start with how I got involved in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, Governor's name is Nathan. Nathan's <laughs> my friend from university. Um, we met at choir, actually. Okay. And, and uh, he invited me to join one of his leagues one day. I wasn't massively into football at the time, just watching the odd match of the day, but I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. So this was the 2015-16 season when Leicester went on to win the league. Um, with the likes of Vardy and Mahrez. Of Vardy and Mahrez. So I joined and didn't really know what I was doing, but about halfway through the season, I suddenly got bit with this urge to improve and figure out how the game worked. And uh, from there, I had... Uh, I came 6,000 the following season, and then I've come in the top 250 in the last two seasons. I mean, 6,000 in your second season is quite staggering in itself, let alone what followed that. Riding the luck. <laughs> yeah. And then two top 250 seasons after 250. that. Unbelievable. Yeah, we're in a steamed company in the studio today. The Game, game's FPL been good team. to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if it's... Uh, I don't think it's a fluke, but we'll see this season if you can, you can keep that trajectory so, and keep rising through the ranks. Yeah, Nathan's trying to get my secret. So uh, I'll try to uh, not reveal too much on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe that's the point of the podcast, trying to tease all the information out of you that we can. So our IDs, in case you as the listener do want to listen along and look at our teams while you're listening, my ID, FPL Governor, is 6881. And Tim, what's yours? 108. Lovely. Well, let's get cracking. It's time for the roundup. So we're going to start at the Etihad, probably the biggest game of the day, well, the biggest scoreline of the day, uh, Manchester City with a 5-0 win over West Ham. Now, we both have uh, Raheem Sterling and Zinchenko in our teams. Sterling would have had another assist on top of his, what, 20-point haul? 20 points. Yeah, if his if his armpit wasn't offside, did you see that? What did you make of <laughs> I that? I saw it. Um, it's a tough one because they have to draw the line somewhere um, yeah. and at this stage of not really knowing how VAR is going to play out in the long run I think they had to make that decision um, it, I'd, put, I'd like to see that given really I think yeah. it's too close to call but given they have to be strict with the rules I think it was the right call on the day sort of sapping the fun out of the game you could see some of the players not really celebrating the goal to the full I mean they were what 3-0 up at the time wasn't yeah. it but, but still um, anyway how do you think VAR is going to affect uh, the fantasy season um, do you think there'll be more penalties as a result I don't think so, based on the other data. Maybe we'll see more early, but I don't think in the long run there'll be more particularly. Although one thing I've noticed is that perhaps with VAR, some of the defenders are sort of less likely to challenge and tussle with the big men in the box when they're going for a header. I agree, they're wary of it now. Yeah, so maybe more potential for players like Virgil van Dijk, who of course Mm. scored a header at the weekend. At least initially, I think, um, defenders are going to have to change how they approach defending against people like that. They can't clinch anymore. It's too much of a risk. Okay, so we both have Sterling and Zinchenko. Are you happy with how they performed? Yeah, definitely. You can't complain about Sterling. <laughs> I mean, what a start. Perfect start. And Zinchenko, I think, is just a solid option for 5.5. Yeah. Easy transfer out at that price point if he becomes dicey with a 
Mendy and yeah, of course. That's the, the other one, Angelino waiting in the wings. That's the thing with Zinchenko. If, um, if those two come back, it could be a transfer waiting to happen. Um, just finally on City, West Ham, Sterling, do you think he's a must-have for anyone who's who's not got him in their team? Well, I don't want to use the word essential, <laughs> but I think if Fair anyone is a must-own at this point, it is Sterling. I think it's too big a risk to go without him. I don't think... I, I, I don't want to use the word cover too much, but I don't think that anyone like KDB covers Sterling so to speak I think Sterling is his own thing and he's he's just amazing at that price he's one of the big hitters that's worth getting in for that and an easy captain option very true yeah it's important to have at least a good few captaincy options so when they do have easy fixtures you go for that person and then get double points also just one last thing with Aguero at 12 yet having Kane and Aubameyang at 11 it's it's really hard to justify owning Aguero at this stage and that makes Sterling a better option relatively in my opinion yeah, and we've seen how Jesus comes in for Aguero as well. So yeah. a bit of rotation already for in the pep roulette. In the pep roulette, yeah. <laughs> Let's move swiftly on to uh, Tottenham Hotspur. They won 3-1 at home to Villa. They went a goal behind, but they came back came back to win. Now, Tom Heaton, let's talk about him. He moved oh from he moved from Burnley to Villa for 8 million real pounds. Mm-hmm. Looks a good bet at his price point, what, 4.5? Well, at yep. least you've got him in your team anyway. I've got him in my team. I had a spare 0.5 and I thought, okay, well, I'll go for two 4.5 keepers just to give myself that option. Um, <laughs> a wild card can always sort anything out, so I didn't think it was much of a big deal to uh, have Heaton for game week two, three and four, but... I made a cardinal sin and I didn't double check which keeper I'd put in playing and I had Heaton playing in game week one ahead of Pope. Oh no. So I've thrown away six points, thrown away six points for no reason and it's very uncharacteristic of me to do such a thing. But That's careless, Tim. First week of the season. It is careless. I was, uh, I was an absolute rabbit in the headlights on Friday trying to sort out Sky and Fan Team and all these other games that I've decided to play this year. Yeah, you like flirting around with all the different games. I'm, I'm spreading. <laughs> spreading yourself spreading too out. thin, it yeah, seems. Yeah. Too thin, Tim. Anyway, so we, uh, you've gone for Heaton. Looks a good bet regardless, even if he's just bench fodder for now in terms of preferring Nick yeah, Pope. He's a good keeper. Him and Pope, I love both of them at Burnley. I've owned both of them in the past. They've both been really good to me, so I thought I'd uh, give them both a shot. Yeah, we'll give Pope a mention in a few minutes' time. Uh, just a word on Harry Kane. Looks pretty sharp. He's got a fresh trim, I noticed. Um, and he's got the first goals, his first goals at the new stadium. Yeah, I checked the game at 80 minutes and saw that Kane hadn't scored much to my relief and uh, switched on after the game. Oh, no. <laughs> Had a look after the game to see a 13-pointer, which uh, was a bit annoying. That's but... typical Kane, really. He's, he can sort of pop up out of nowhere yeah. with a couple of goals. First goal fell nicely, fell nicely to him, and he, he did the business. And yeah, he's, he's just an excellent finisher. Do you think he's a worthwhile pick? I do. I, I have him in one of my um, fantasy bet teams. <laughs> <laughs> in one of my many teams. And he's in both my Sky teams. So for, for this for this game, though, in terms of fantasy Premier League... Still a very good pick. It's um, you, I mean, you would have done very well if you'd had Salah Sterling and Kane this week. I'm not sure in the long run it's going to be profitable, but certainly for an early punt with the good fixtures, I mean... Kane's got great games in three, four, and five, I think, as well. So, you know, worthwhile hold if you've got him. People might be looking to get him in after this week. Yeah, it's difficult trying to um, afford a big money striker when there's so much money floating around, particularly in defence this season yeah. with the uh, with the expensive Liverpool defenders. Yeah. You have to be willing to captain him, so hopefully he'll be reliable in the home games. Kyle Walker-Peters, what do you make of him? He started at right back. Obviously, Kieran Trippier no longer there. Mm-hmm. Kyle Walker no longer there from a good couple of seasons ago now. And um, he looks to be the first choice option. Yeah, well, Foyth is, is injured, isn't he? Uh, I think so, yeah, but I'm not. I'm still yeah. not sure if he'd be 
first choice over Walker Peters, do you think? I think I think Pochettino had mentioned that he could play right back as well. Okay. Um, so there's three of them potentially at right back, but then Aurea can also play centre back. So maybe Walker Peters is the first choice. Maybe, and Serge Aurea could be on his way out. Obviously, the European transfer window is still open. True. So still time for a few movements here and there. <laughs> um, spanners. Yes. So how much is Carl Walker Peters? Five. Okay, so an interesting sort of value option. You've got the likes of Zinchenko, 5-5, five, five, Dina, 6, mm-hmm. Coleman, 5-5. Five, five. Um, looks to be a bit of value in there. Yeah, definitely for that price, if he's going to be nailed on. If he's going to be nailed on, well, similarly with Zinchenko, a few weeks down the line, it might yeah. all be all changed. We'll have to, have to wait and see. Uh, moving swiftly on, Watford-Brighton, a statement 3-0 win for new Seagulls boss Graham Potter. Although I did look at the XG, actually. We, we I like was going to say... We like a bit of XG. Yes. Just, just briefly talk about XG and what that what that sort of means. Well, I think everyone's pretty familiar with it now. XG is expected goals, and it's a description of shot quality, yeah. um, which gives a much better idea um, whether something was a good goal-scoring chance or not, rather than just a shot or a shot on target or off target or something simple like that. So it's the likelihood of any player um, in a mm-hmm. particular position having a shot at goal and the likelihood of that going in. Yeah, it's just based on historical data. So shot types are categorised based on a number of factors and uh, look back through the database and see how often that shot type was scored. So this game was actually very even despite it being a 3-0 win in the end. I for, think they were both under one yeah, when they expected both, goals. Both around one. Uh, Decore scoring an own goal in the game. As yeah. well. Any options in this game in terms of Watford and Brighton players, do you think? Yeah, well, Ryan's uh, for 4.5. Again, it's difficult to go wrong with a 4.5 keeper. Um, Dunk, I did consider in some of my early drafts. I hate being that guy who says, oh, I considered them. But he was one <laughs> I did consider as a 4.5 option. Um, but when uh, it, we, we found out he wasn't going to Leicester, I decided against it. But actually, Duffy and Dunk are... Pretty excellent options for the Brighton defence if we think that it's going to be quite solid. Mm, okay, what about Watford? I'm avoiding all Watford. Avoiding all. Have you point. had bad experiences in the past? The likes of Holobas come to mind. Well, I owned Holobas, I think, in my second season quite early on, uh, just because I'd seen on uh, an online forum that he had some good attacking stats. This was when I hadn't really delved into stats in any great detail. But I picked him, and one week he got me a 15-pointer. <laughs> and the next <laughs> you know, week he, gets, next a week he gets a yellow card. Yeah. So uh, I think in general he's uh, he's in the void, well, I especially had, at five. Yeah, I had De La Feu last season as a midfielder he was then, and he mm-hmm. did, did quite well, particularly towards the end. I remember he scored a hat-trick, and that, that sort I had of him in, me up the ranks. Uh, yeah, I had him in the double game week at the end, which was uh, excellent as well. But in game week one, he's now a forward, class as a forward, so less potential really in terms of getting points. And um, he was subbed at half-time as well. And reverse out of position from the looks of it reverse out of position that's mm, a new one playing me. on the wing have you not heard that that's no, so it. so out of position is oop <laughs> yeah, so yeah. reverse oop is Root. poo oh poo <laughs> yeah Re- oh okay backwards <laughs> yes retrograde yeah okay well so uh, de la Feu right now is a poo option a poo option yeah, yeah i think i think we'll go with that let's <laughs> let's move on to burnley they uh they won 3-0 at southampton although yeah we talk about xg just now mm-hmm. southampton actually won the game on xg so they southampton did. looking the better team than burnley do you think how's this work well one one thing that's interesting about southampton is i think the past for every season that i've played fpl i think they've always underperformed their xg yeah. I mean, they had Tadic, for example, who was the classic underperformer of stats. Yeah. And they've just always seemed to have that, have as that as, just, a, as a sort of part of their team. It's weird. As in they're just not clinical enough? It it looks that way. It looks that way. I haven't studied it in detail. I've just always noticed they're under what their expected numbers are. Okay. 
Well, we've talked about Heaton and Button. Two more value goalkeepers in this game, Pope and Gunn. Uh, you and I both have Pope, of course, and mm-hmm. he did pretty well in the first game week. He did, from my bench. <laughs> from your bench. <laughs> Albeit, yeah. Was it eight points? It was eight points. Got a save point and a bonus point on yep, top of the clean three sheet. three saves and a bonus. That's why we love value goalkeepers, isn't it? Exactly. Compared to the expensive ones. You rarely... I mean, well, De Gea is probably an exception, but you rarely see premium goalkeepers picking up the eight, nine, ten point hauls because they don't typically get all the saves and the bonus that comes with something like Burnley getting a clean sheet Okay, well moving from the goalkeepers to the goal scorer uh, Ashley Barnes, he looks a good option although you've got Wood in your team I've got Chris Wood How do you feel about that? Well, Chris Wood was emphatic in pre-season I thought I'd give him a chance he's always scored goals and I did watch the highlights because I wanted to see this game and Barnes, you know, they were very good goals, but that first one he's not going to score very often. And yeah. also, in all of the goals, Wood was always in the vicinity and lingering. And it was just frustrating that it didn't fall to him. Goodmanson's goal, for example, at the end, if that had been more of a cross, then Wood was there to knock it in. So are you going to keep the faith with Wood? I think I have to for the time being. I mean, we'll talk about our teams specifically in terms of transfers later. But um, certainly for this week, I'll give him another shot and see what I think about Burnley. Is it a concern for you in terms of teams having two strikers up front and sort of sharing the attacking returns? I, I don't tend to think of it that way. A lot of people have brought that up about Man City before in terms of points being shared around. But it's still ultimately a game of individuals. And if the team as a whole scores more points, then it doesn't matter if they're necessarily shared. OK, well, looking at Southampton, any options stick out for you? Not for me. I haven't looked at them a great deal. I, I didn't think they're... Early fixtures were particularly good, so I didn't particularly look for any options. Well, that's that. (laughs) I did did notice from the highlights, everything seems to be going through Nathan Redmond. He's uh, flirted among the fantasy points in the past. I I did own him for game week 38 last season, and he scored a goal with one one shot. One week only punt. Yeah, and I got 10 points for it. Nice one, but didn't go for him this season. Didn't go for him, no, not early on. I think they're very much a wait and see. Even, Even Shea Adams, for me, I mean, for the price, it's... It's difficult to go wrong, but still, I'm not. I don't have that much faith in Southampton as a whole. One, one to watch, maybe particularly as he's new to the one Premier to watch. League. He looks, he's young, he's full of energy. Yeah. Um, he was good in preseason, so one to watch. Okay, well, the last game in this half of the pod, we're going to talk about Bournemouth versus Sheffield United. New boys in the Premier League, Sheffield United. Now, I've got uh, Lundstrom in my team. He's well, he's on my bench at least. Um, a good option in terms of value. He's only what four, four million. Yeah, well, the, the the tough thing with four million options is if you're ever actually going to play them. So it's good to have them as a bench option, but. You can't be too hard done by if uh, if they get assists and they're on your bench. Yeah. I mean, I went for Rico in the end, uh, but I think it's it doesn't matter too much. We have to just be aware that they're playing, and yeah. if any of them stop playing, then maybe people will switch over to another one and you'll see a price drop. That's it, isn't it? If um, if one of your first team players doesn't play, all you want really is the two points off the bench just because you're, you're sub-played. Yeah, you can't really expect much more. We don't have a Wamasaka anymore. Do you think Lundstrom could be a worthwhile bet for the starting eleven? It looked like from the highlights he could have had a couple of assists if McGoldrick had his shooting boots if, on. If the premium players continue to deliver, then yeah, we're going to have to find those value options and it, it might be that we have to start a, a Dendonker or a Lundstrom every week. Okay, well, let's talk Bournemouth. I've got Wilson, you've got Fraser Fraser and Wilson, Wilson, yeah. Obviously, Wilson just getting an assist after Mm -hmm. his close-range shot was saved before Mepham slammed the ball home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fraser didn't do much at all. Did he get booked as well? He got booked, yeah. He got a nice one-pointer. Not ideal when you're playing a newly promoted side. Exactly. I'm keeping them for this week. I mean, I always got them in with the intention of having them for two weeks. It's two promoted sides, you know. It's, It's... 
it's a safe bet or so I thought so I've just got to keep the faith for the next game and then reshuffle as appropriate I'd, yeah. I'd already eyed up Martial we'll talk about him later as a possible switch but of course that's no secret anymore <laughs> secrets out and he's up <laughs> and he's gone up in price so uh, already we'll, yeah. we'll get to those price changes in uh, in just a moment so yeah Bournemouth away at Villa next game so I think that'll, that really will be the test for uh, that will for, be for uh, for Josh King owners as, owners as well and Josh King yeah I went without Josh King I thought Wilson was that much better an option and as I say I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that VAR would bring a lot more penalties so I went for the extra money to get Wilson over King and Bournemouth struggling to keep a clean sheet as well as always uh, does that sort of rule out players like Ake from your thinking well, yeah, I, I think if Ake was 4.5, he'd be a worthy consideration. But he's rightfully priced at five in that he's he's better than the other options in their defence. He does pop up with the odd goal. But I think just just based on the history of Bournemouth defence, it's an avoid for me. OK, well, that's us halfway through the roundup. Still to come, we're talking Liverpool, high-value assets in the terms of Salah, Aubameyang, the Manchester United-Chelsea game, which was particularly interesting from a fantasy football perspective. And then, of course, Bandwagon Weekly and the FPL Slammer at the end of the show as well to round things off. So join us after the halftime break. Okay, so welcome back. It's the FPL Roundup. Joining uh, me in the studio is FPL Tim. I'm FPL Governor. This is a new podcast. How's it going, Tim, so far? Yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, good stuff. So we're going to start the second half at Crystal Palace. Uh, They drew 0-0 with Everton. Quite a boring game. Wilfred Zaha was on the bench after his sort of transfer request debacle. Uh, Could still be on his way if anyone overseas uh, wants him. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see about that. But let's start at the back for Everton. Uh, Adinia versus Coleman. That's been a long-going debate in terms of pre-season. Adinia 0.5 more expensive than than the Irishman. I have Coleman, you have Adinia. Uh, what was your thinking behind that? Well, looking at his stats from last season, his um, his assist potential was just off the charts, really. Yeah. Um, I thought, there's no way I'm going without him as soon as I saw, saw, the, saw the numbers. Um, Do you not think Coleman's worth having instead to save 0.5 million well I think it's an option I think it's close I think they've, they've cleverly priced him 0.5 cheaper but Dean for me is, is the one to own interesting see I prefer Coleman I feel like okay. their, their, um, their attacking potential and obviously their defensive potential is pretty pretty identical so Coleman's Coleman's worth a bet at 5.5 for me so we'll have to wait and see how that one pans out obviously both of them keeping the clean sheets at the weekend so a good start for both of them uh, Richarlison versus Sigurdsson is another long going Everton debate or even either of them at all both had a few shots uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they pan out and also Moise Ken coming into the team uh, whether he'll eventually end up starting uh, potentially out wide or potentially in place of Calvert-Lewin what do you think is going to happen there? Well, I think they brought him in with the intention of him being first choice in the long run, but he's still young and he still hasn't played a full season. I think he's only 19. He is only 19. So uh, they'll they'll phase him in slowly, I mm. think. So maybe Calvert-Lewin will start for the time being, but I think the idea is to have Kin playing first choice in the long run. And Richarlison or Sigurdsson for you, or either? If I had to pick one, I'd pick Sigurdsson, but I don't mind either. Um, the the thing there is that it's an awkward price, £8 million. Um, it seems to make squads a bit awkward to deal with. Maybe maybe that's just my personal opinion. Um, but Sigurdsson, I went without him in the end. I think he's a difficult player to own historically because he's a player that doesn't seem to show up predictably. 
So he'll get big hauls, but not necessarily when you expect them. So he's inconsistent. He's, I think he's inconsistent. People people call him consistent in the sense that you can always bank that he'll get sort of 170, 180 points over a season. But that's assuming that you've stuck him in your squad and just left him. Yeah. Um, so he's a diff- unpredictable players are difficult to own in the long run because as soon as they have a run of blanks, you want to transfer them straight out. Okay, so maybe not one for now. Um, well, certainly if you're going to own him, now is the time to own him because they've got such good fixtures for so long. Interesting. Interesting point of view there. Um, we'll have to wait and see if he ends up in either of our teams if <laughs> yeah. he starts firing. Um, just quickly, Kelly for Palace looks a good option in terms of defence. We talked about Lundstrom earlier, value mm-hmm. pick at four million. Kelly, also four million, got the start and also got the clean sheet. Where did he play? Kelly played at centre-back with Scott Down and then Van Arnholt and uh, Joel Ward as the wing-backs, well, as the full-backs. Um, but Kelly, obviously the most value pick among, amongst those at four million. Yeah, maybe Sacco comes straight back and takes his place. That's the only danger. Okay, so maybe not a good pick in terms of reliability from the bench. Probably not. And and just like we talked about with the bench players earlier, the 4 million players, they're only really there for your bench and to give you more money elsewhere anyway. So you're not going to be starting any of them first week, probably in the long run. Okay, let's move on to uh, Liverpool. 4-1 win. Um, at home to Norwich on Friday night Mo Salah getting uh, what was it a goal and assist he got versus yes. Norwich um, is, do you think this is enough when players like uh, Raheem Sterling are banging in hat-tricks around the similar price point yeah I mean you can't realistically expect hat-tricks very often yeah. it just so happened that Sterling's got off to a flyer but I mean Salah you cannot complain with a goal and assist for your captain in the first week that's that's an excellent return was um, he your captain he was my captain yes Will he be your captain next week? I think he will, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise. It's difficult when, when you've got Sterling also in your team and also mm. vying for the captaincy, particularly after a hat-trick looks like a promising bet. But yes. um, yeah, it's going to test our resolve in terms of swapping between those when they've both got fairly evenly uh, weighted fixtures. Let's talk Liverpool defence. Um, interesting one, this one. We've both got three Liverpool players and two Liverpool defenders. I've got Trent Alexander-Arnold and mm. Robertson at the back and then you've got Robertson and uh, Virgil van Dijk yes. so a little difference between our teams yes. that's an interesting one uh, Robertson didn't really do anything at all Trent got an assist and then van Dijk got a goal as we were talking earlier van Dijk with a header mm-hmm. might be uh, easier for him over the season with defenders less likely to to try and tussle with him uh, in light of VAR mm, he looked like he had far too much space it was still a tough header but he's he's not the kind of player you want to give that option to so why did you choose van Dijk over Trent Alexander-Arnold well I think van Dijk for the for the Point five saving, I think he's the kind of player that if he's fit and Liverpool look relatively solid, you can keep him forever. You can keep him for the whole season. Mm. Um, whereas I think just just that little extra 0.5 million makes it much harder to own a player for a long time. And so if there's any doubt about Liverpool defence, then I'd rather sub out one of the fullbacks than Van Dijk. Interesting. Looking ahead sort of as a contingency if Liverpool start faltering. Particularly now Alisson's got his calf injury. Yeah, bad timing. Do you think that might um, reduce the potential of Liverpool's defence? Well, it must do. If, if nothing else, it's a confidence thing. They brought in Alisson and straight away the confidence was up with Van Dijk in front of him. Um, so I think that's the biggest issue. Worth getting Adrian, Adrian in if you're a Alisson seller or, or if you just fancy Adrian as a punt. I don't think it's so much that Adrian isn't a good option. I just think the fact that Liverpool options are so good, it's difficult to choose him as one of the three. So I think I think he's fine to own, but you just have to be careful. If if the defence looked to be as good as last year, then I'd still rather have the defenders who have the potential for attacking returns. 
Okay, and Origi also was in for Mane. Mane, of course, just coming back late from the, uh, was it the African Cup of Nations he was involved in? Yes. Um, do you think there's room for him among our three Liverpool players? No, not not for me. Mane will come back in soon and Origi will probably be a bit part player. Okay, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Although you've had Firmino in the past as well. So I have. Liverpool are just a wealth of, a wealth are, of options, they are, aren't brilliant. they? I noticed Firmino did quite well, had twice the number of shots and more than twice the XG of Mo Salah. Yeah, I, I, I breathed a sigh of relief when he, he scuffed that chance from an Alexander-Arnold cross. That would have been a second assist. <laughs> yeah, Firmino just getting one assist uh, and no bonus points to his name as well, which is rare for Firmino. Um, just quickly on Norwich, Puki, second cheap striker that we've all been, all been looking for. Yeah, he he looked great. Um, I mean, I wasn't realistically going to put him in against Liverpool, but they've got Newcastle at home now. They still have some tough games, but I think Puki is definitely one to watch. Okay, let's move on to Old Trafford. 4-0 win for Manchester United at home to Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Lots to talk about with this one um, in terms of our options in our teams. I put Abraham in as a bit of a... A left field uh, punt, really. He, I was surprised I no- to see. I, I noticed he played in pre-season up front and I thought he'd be nailed on as the starter. That turned out to be the case and he hit the post, much to my annoyance. Well, part annoyance as I'm a sort of part Man U fan at the same time. Mm. So it's sort of a, a mixed emotions with that one. And also got Pulisic in my team. Now, Tim, talk to me about Pulisic. Why should should I or should well, I not have Pulisic in my team? I mean, you're in a tricky spot now. I, I was really surprised to see your team and see that you'd chosen him. Yeah, I, I had someone on Twitter ask me if I was a Chelsea fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think he'll grow into the role at Chelsea and I think 7.5 is a very fair price, but he's still an unknown quantity. We don't know how the Chelsea team is going to gel. Um, the biggest issue for me was that Pudisic... He didn't. He didn't play as many minutes as I thought, even in preseason. Right. And maybe it's a fitness issue. I know he's had some injury worries in the past, and he's still young as well. Yeah. So yeah, for me, he was. 20, I think. Yeah. So for me, he was very much a wait and see because uh, now he's got a reasonably tough game against Leicester. But the thing is, if you keep him now, it's very difficult to sell ahead of game week three when Chelsea fixtures suddenly get very good. My rationale for putting Pulisic in was his stats at Dortmund were off the scale towards the end of the season. I yeah, thought they were very he, I good. Thought, I had a look. I thought he'd been nailed on for the Chelsea starting lineup, particularly in light of uh, Willian being sort of doubtful. Hudson Odoi's out fairly long term. Uh, so midfield options for Chelsea, particularly out Hazard's gone. I thought mm. Pulisic would be straight in there. Yeah, well, I think he will be in the long run. As I say, that's that's the intention. They want him to be the main man at Chelsea, but they're just going to have to bring him in slowly and make sure that he stays injury free as well because they can't afford any more. <laughs> okay, well, Tim, you had no one from this game except uh, the Manchester United's Greenwood on yes. your bench. Um, do you think that's going to change in terms of how Manchester United players appeal to you? I think so. I mean, I, I'd looked at Martial pre-season and I thought definitely a good option, especially if he's going to be starting and playing out of position. But I went for Fraser for the... Uh, well, I th- what I thought was a reliable pick, and mm. unfortunately, the secret's out about Martial, and uh, he's already gone up in price. He's already gone up in price. So seven six now. Seven six. So even if I wanted to do Pulisic to Martial, I mm. can no longer do that as I have no money in the bank. Yeah. Although it's probably a good thing. In like, do you think having two free transfers after two game weeks is a better thing than making sort of one transfer a week? I do. We, we we've only got one week of data, which is nothing really, and I'm sure, I'm I'm sure things will change next week. We'll have all sorts of new things thrown at us so your golden advice this week is to be patient if you can if you have that option if you're umming and ahhing whether i should or shouldn't make a transfer i don't on the side of having two free transfers because it's it's really a luxury position to be in 
In that case, I'll be keeping the faith with uh, Tammy Abraham, even more <laughs> but so. But don't let me influence you, Nathan. <laughs> but even more so, I'll tell you this. On uh, Friday night, I had a Chinese takeaway and my fortune cookie inside. <laughs> I think I tweeted this as well. It said, your lucky number nine will keep your future fine. Well, there you go. There we go. Is, <laughs> is that referring to Tammy Abraham or Martial now? Knows, he's, now he he's uh, number nine at yeah. Manchester United again. Um, just quickly on Rashford as well. He's on penalties, even though Pogba was on the pitch. I think he took one in pre-season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a good option at, what, 8.5 unless he's gone up already? He has gone up. He went up last night as well. 8.6. 8.6, yes. It's an awkward price, and, and I don't think he'll take every penalty. I think they will be shared around. He won it, and he grabbed the ball from what I've read, ah. so... Uh, I think it's one of those situations. Okay, Defense, defensive options for Manchester United and Chelsea. Anyone jumping out for you? Yeah, well, I'm really gutted that Man United started off with a clean sheet. I thought it was unlikely they were going to keep a clean sheet in either of the first two games. So it's frustrating when Wan-Bissaka is owned by 30% of the game or something. Man United assets tend to be inflated in ownership because of yes. their fan base. Yes. So that's a really annoying situation, but... Wembasaka from game week three may may well be in my team, especially if Zinchenko isn't looking to be nailed or isn't looking to be good for bonus or anything. Yeah, Wembasaka certainly scoops up the bonus points every time uh, he, does. he keeps the clean sheets. I think he's a future England right back. He's fantastic. Another player I was contemplating in preseason was Kurt Zuma, particularly now David Luiz has gone five million worthwhile as a Chelsea yeah, defender. I, I was surprised at that because I mean I don't know as much about Zuma, but I've never. I've never really rated him particularly, even even if it's five million. I mean, we still have to see if Chelsea defence is going to be worthwhile in general. Very true. If they keep shipping four goals exactly. every game, that certainly won't be worthwhile. Mm. Okay, let's move on to St James's Park. Newcastle hosted uh, Arsenal, and it was the Gunners who came out on top with a one nil victory. Aubameyang scoring again. He scored what one goal a game in preseason, something like that. Um, do you think he's the top forward option? We discussed the likes of Kane earlier. Um, or is 11 million just a bit too expensive? No, I think that's a very reasonable price. Given that you've got two excellent strikers at that price point, it gives you the option of changing between. For me, um, Aubameyang was a wait and see. Arsenal fixtures get incredibly good from about game week six or game week eight. Okay. So we've got an early chance to scout. They've just brought in Pepe. Um, we still haven't seen a start with him, so yeah. we need to wait and see how that attack gels. But, I mean, it's got all the potential for being excellent for fantasy. I was amazed to see how Lacazette as well was on the bench at the start of the yeah, game. Yeah, very surprising. I, I don't know if there's a proper reason for that. If that lasts, I'll certainly be uh, looking at Aubameyang as a good option, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of the sharing of uh, goal threat up front. If Aubameyang is playing on his own, that certainly jumps out a bit more for me. Yeah, I mean, and his his XG stats have been particularly high for every season he's played uh, in the German league and last season as well. So if you can get him in, if you can afford to get him in, while you've got the likes of Serling and Staller, Salah, sorry. Um, do, do you think he fits in sort of a top three frame there, or do you think he's he's preferable to Sterling or Salah? I wouldn't say preferable early on, just because the games are slightly tougher, and as as I say, there's there's more there are more question marks around the Arsenal attack. Um, but a very easy wait and see, and probably an excellent option from game week six. Okay, quickly on Newcastle assets. Uh, Matt Ritchie, I think, played at wing, a fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, is he classed as a defender in the game? He is, he is 5.5, so out of position defender. Interesting option then if he starts racking up assists. assists. Yeah, and New- also- Newcastle games are quite tough as well. So, I mean, it's, it's still very much a wait and see for me for most of their options. And also, Joe Linton looks like potentially the new Rondon up front, <laughs> potentially uh, heading plenty of goals this season. Yeah, I haven't seen the highlights but I saw lots of good feedback from him on Twitter. 
Okay, let's move on uh, to our last game. Actually, we've rattled through these, haven't we? It's Leicester uh, hosted Wolves in the VAR controversy game. Uh, Dendonka having a goal ruled out. Uh, Dendonka's an option for many of us, don't you think? <laughs> he is, yeah. Could be another Etienne Capoue. One of those <laughs> who you've got for your bench, but who scores every week. That, that certainly would be frustrating. Yeah. Um, he, he has surprisingly good stats, so it's not, it's not unreasonable to actually potentially have him as a starter in your team. You heard it here first. Uh, so that game ended nil-nil. No one really standing out for me. I don't I don't know if you saw saw any of the game. No Leicester assets particularly jumping out. Obviously, no, Leicester have a wealth of midfielders. It's, it's a funny one because Leicester and Wolves are, are two teams who are vying for those best of the rest spots yeah, after the, the, after the top six. Or, or maybe it's now the big two, then the the next four and then beyond that <laughs> so so no one really standing out for you so, i've got perez in my team there may be the case that they kind of cancelled each other out they're both okay. going to be attacking they're, sorry they're both going to be solid attacking and defensive options so may, maybe they just couldn't find a way through on the day but you know against wolves against the promoted side or leicester against the promoted side for example i, I think you know they'll dominate so worth waiting another week, see if uh, the Leicester and Wolves assets start to excel from game week two onwards. I think so. We'll have to we'll have to see how Wolves cope with Europa League as well. That's going to put a lot of pressure on them, but they are an excellent squad and I think Nuno will manage them well. Okay, well, that's nearly roundup complete. Uh, bandwagon Weekly, who do you think is the bandwagon to avoid this week? The most transferred in looks like Edison. Um, obviously, many people making this straight swap from Allison to Edison. Uh, swapping keepers there. Do you think he's worthwhile getting on or do you think he's a bandwagon that people should avoid? Well, I think Edison is going to be a great keeper to own in the long run. But at the same time, I think I, I've always preferred cheap goalkeepers and I think that 1.5 can be much better used elsewhere. Okay, and FPL Slammer, I like to do this this thing <laughs> as the FPL governor, the governor of the Slammer, you know, the prison yeah. prison vibe. Um, who was particularly disappointing this week? Who deserves to end up in the FPL Slammer from your point of view? For me, Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva didn't even get a minute on the pitch, didn't did he? Didn't start, didn't play at all. He's match fit, he's ready to go, but mm-hmm. Pep chose to leave him out, which surprises me considering how much Pep seems to value Bernardo. Yeah, he was, he was vital to Pep. Uh, progress last season but I think the biggest thing here is that KDB is now fit and I don't think it was so much that Bernardo Silva could play ahead of Mares. I think it's the fact that Bernardo Silva does a much better job from the middle of the field so who's keeping him out of the side do you think I think it's the fact that KDB is back and fit the fact that they have that midfield creativity but then they can utilize Mares as a wizardry yeah, Mara's um, what got three assists. Three assists. Made plenty yeah. of key passes. Yeah, and he's game. only eight point five. So keep an eye on. Keep an eye on Mares. So Bernardo for you. Um, I'm going to choose. I think Josh King. Many people putting him in their teams. I yeah. thought completely unreasonably. He he didn't even impress last season really compared to the likes of Callum Wilson. Many yeah. people just choosing to put him in just because he's one point five cheaper. Yeah, and, and because of people who think that VAR is going to mean thousands of penalties. Bournemouth have historically won a lot of penalties, but it's still difficult to rely on that as a source of points. Yeah, and Callum Wilson might well be on penalties. Who knows? He might be. He he did take... I think he took the first one last season and missed it. Ah. And that was the end of that, but... They sort of rotate. They they might do. I mean, I I still think King is first choice, but uh, Wilson might nick the odd one off him. Okay, so your fantasy plan for the week. Any transfers? Anyone going on the watch list? No transfers for me. It's still very much wait and see. Stick to my plan of leaving the squad for two weeks and then coming back with a bit more data a bit more information with two free transfers okay that's fpl roundup complete you can follow us on twitter tim what's your tag 
FPL underscore Tim. FPL underscore. You have to be one nice, of those people nice and with, original. The, with the blooming underscore, yeah. don't you? Yeah, and I'm at FPL Governor, so do give us a follow on there for plenty more content. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you very soon. Thank you.